0: session is uh, going to focus on dharma interestingly the first paper of the session is also again by, on agni purana okay. uh, it is uh, the topic is self framing of agni purana and uh, the helpfulness of that to uh, uh, civilization uh, it is by uh, Srimati papia mitra Papyaji uh, is uh, going to talk about this whole session is going to be how Puranas are going to be useful for civilization from various uh, points of view. And Papi Adi is going to talk about how, how Agni Puranas' self-framing uh, structure helps our civilization. Papi Adi over
1: to you. First, my thanks to the good evening to everyone and my thanks to the organizers for giving me this opportunity to present my vision of what I think the Puranas and especially the Ogni Purana frames itself, how it projects itself to the a world at large. So, that is the title of my book. A paper that you will see in the projection I have just written Ogni Purana Self Framing, Civilizational Toolkit, rather like a Sutra. The full name would be self framing of Agni Purana, a guide to civilization. Now, anyone acquainted with Hinduism, even if he is a non-Hindu, also knows about the Puranas. The very name means that it is something old. Thorbavita had mentioned the town and in the Brahmanas, Puranic literature is mentioned while the Upanishads call Itihash Purana, the fifth Veda. Now, P.V.K. Adopai, that since various references make it obvious that from the later Vedic age, works called Puranas yes. existed that were studied and recited by those that were engaged in solemn sacrifices like Oshrameta, and that by the time of Apastamba and Gautama, some versions of the Puranas that are extant today had already come into existence. Uh, so the antiquity of Purana literature cannot be But I doubted that, however, even all Puranas had not survived and many of the extant ones are of later provenance. However, I found that though they are sacred literature, they land lower in the hierarchy than than the Vedas. Aside from other reasons, like the antiquity and the greater beauty of the Vedas, One cause probably was due to the social class of the readers and the far larger audience of the Puranas. They were open to the lower castes and women to listen and learn from. As civilization in India became more and more complex, the Brahmins insisted on being the sole interpreters of the most revered scriptures. So the Vedas are four in number only and they are reserved for the priestly classes. But the Puranas are for the masses. As such, the Puranas are more popular and well-known. I think for the same reason, the Vedas number only four, or from a traditional perspective, one Veda has been divided into four parts. But through the centuries, several Puranas came into existence. Through constant interaction with society, a Purana becomes a living entity so that we cannot say that one version is true and another false. In this context, when we study Puranas as a scholar, as distinct from being a believer in their sacredness, an important question is what the composers or compilers of the texts thought about their work and how the Puranas projected themselves to the populace. Now the Puranas accepted the superiority of the Vedas and consequently do not contradict them in any way. But if they were just a simplified version of the latter, then they would have not appealed to a wider view. Instead, they also saw themselves as storehouses of knowledge, the wider knowledge categories. They dispense divine wisdom, simplified salvation for masses and society. But they also tell us about history and other mundane objects. So what they are doing, they are telling us stories, both sacred and secular of the gods and kings to teach us. And interwoven in between the stories are descriptions of geography, ceremonies, duties of kings and householders, ideas of Barnastroma, land grants, temple architecture, etc. Of course, we all know that any compilation of knowledge, random compilation of such knowledge cannot be considered a Purana. As per the Puranas themselves and Amarakarsha, any work that desired to be classified as a Purana had to conform to it, Certain formula of Pancha Lakshmanas or discussion of five topics. Sharga, the original creation of the world. Pratisharga, dissolution and recreation. Manavantras, the periods of various Manus. Bhangsha, the genealogies of gods and rishis. Bangsha Charita, account of royal dynasties including Shurjabhangshi and Chandrabhangshi kings. Now, these five topics are necessary to present an assurance of continuity to the audience and especially of the royal genealogies, which are, by the time the Puranas were being read out in the later medieval ages, they were only a memory, but they can be claimed as progenitors by latter-day If we look at 18 Mohapuranas, we find that though they all have the Panchalakshmanas in common, each of them is also different, expanding their range beyond them. For example, Purana discusses the art of war and temples, Purana discusses literature and astronomy, minerals and stones, while Bhagavad Purana, Linga Purana, and Markandeya Purana are the central religious texts of Vaishnavism, Shaivism, and Shaktism, respectively. Thus, every Purana is an autonomous text distinct from others of the genre. And this is how they frame themselves as keepers of ancient wisdom and guides to Dharma, which can give the same liberation to ordinary men. As the Vedas can. Now, Ogni Purana also frames itself in such terms. So the first question that arises is that what authority does it claim? The simple answer is that it is recited by Vedabasha. Since Vasha divided the Vedas into four parts and taught them to four disciples, this grants a certain gravitas to the text. But he is also understood to be the author of every other Purana. At some point in the line, and also more So while he validates the claim of authority, he alone is not sufficient. So the chain of transmission is traced farther back. The first narration is by the god of fire, which makes the knowledge contained therein defined and therefore true. He told it to Bashishta, who retorted it to Basha, and Basha then imparted it to others, including the Shuka, who is the immediate reciter of the Purana for edification of the world. Now, it is very interesting to note that though it is Agni who tells it, it is not about that god at all. Instead, he is emphasizing the worship of another deity, Vishnu. But it is a trait to be found in other Puranas also. But you see, this makes the material even more true. Since the divine narrator is not self aggrandizing Ogni narrates the Puranas to Vasishto, one of the Shabtorshis, was authored the verses in Vedas. Pachishta returns it to Varsha and Varsha to the Shutta. You see, the line of sages mani, that connects it to the God mani, it makes the transmitted knowledge trustworthy because the sages of basic Vedic law, it is impossible for such people to forget or to mislead. And the same argument applies to the Shutta, since by his profession he is incapable of misstating. the lore he had. And in the last chapter, we learned that the original source is even more glorious. It is Vishnu who in the form of destructive fire at the end of the world taught this knowledge to him. And such a narrative framework is central to Purana, positioning itself as a storehouse of divine knowledge. Especially since what we have here is actually a late composition. And critics argue that extent Purana is spurious and either the Original Agnew Purana mentioned in other sacred literature has disappeared, or as per Professor Hazra, the genuine text save itself by assuming the different tale title of Bahani Purana. But however, if you situate the Agni Purana within its own genre, it does not really matter, I think, that if a Purana was composed or compiled thousands of years ago, just a few centuries. When you see the contents of common property, they are not copyright. They are authentically antique because this knowledge comes from gods to sages, filled with fascist places as narrator via transmissions. The gods, sage, shuta to ordinary people. This cannot go wrong. So, the present text of Agni Purana can project itself to be as authentic as the Vedas themselves. Now, Agni Purana is somewhat different from the other Puranas in that it is actually an encyclopedia of all branches of. Knowledge in the known world. Another subject matter we are told are of two kinds of knowledge, para and apan. The panchalakshmanas are naturally present in detail, prefaced with the statement that Vishnu is their source. But there is this distinction between two types of knowledge that is making it really interesting. Vashishtu desires to gain knowledge of how we can cross the ocean of mundane existence by knowing the quintessence of which knowledge one becomes Omnisat. Usually such question evokes a spiritual response. But however, Agni just ranges farther. He will impart vidya or superior knowledge that is the knowledge of Brahma, which is what Vasishtra actually wanted to know. Included in it are stories of various avatars of Vishnu including Buddha and the future cult. But he will also impart knowledge about Operavidda or inferior knowledge. They consist of Rig Veda, Jajur Veda, Veda, Atharva Veda, six supplementary texts, that is Shikha, Kalpa, Vakarana, Nirukta, Movement of Luminary Bodies, Chandavidhan, Mimamsa, Dharma Shastra, Purana, Naya, Vaidya, Gandharva, and Orthashastra. In other words, all the schools of study that were current at that time and had known texts of the room will be discussed, as well as theology. And you see, though at the beginning, Okhliya and Vasishtram just names those systems, but they are not interpreted rigidly. They run through a gamut of topics. They include building cities, duties of various varnas, statecraft, ideal behavior of a king, royal advisors, justice system, family law, welfare, everyday actions, poetics, how actors should perform, even a list of Sanskrit dramas, and even a lexicon. The God thus intends to teach secular knowledge even though it has not been asked for. And you see, this is not surprising because the ultimate audience is not actually the wise sages, but the laity comprising of kings, nobility and administrators and ordinary people who need such knowledge in their so- everyday social life, in war and in leisure. So you can see when every gesture kind of represents one kind of knowledge. That anyone can use and nor are what is called inferior religious topics neglected. We get instructions for religious bathing, construction of kundas, mudras, mode of worshipping of various deities, mantras, consecration of an image, architecture of a temple, repair of a temple, manifestations of devi, tirthas, rites for ancestors, religious gifts pollutions and purifications, list of Puranas and gifts to be given when they are being recited. So instead of elaborating on just a few topics, all possible ones that a person can require for daily functioning of society has been presented chapter-wise in condensed form. And as a result, all the cultural facets that are considered either to be the province of a you know, intellectual classes or to belong to different Man, specialized groups of professionals Man, they become available for everyone to consult. Man, one does not have to know Vedic mathematics to construct altars, he can simply consult the Agni Purana. So, that is the entire toolkit this there. The Agni Purana frames itself as the foremost of all Puranas, so the promised reward of learning the entire text. Listening to it is more meritorious than gift-giving, sacrificial rites, pilgrimages, etc. Anyone reciting or hearing the text or causing it to be written and recited would be free from all sins and gain moksha. It thus empowers hearers and speakers alike. But as we have seen, secular knowledge has also been incorporated and its rewards are correspondingly material. By reading it, worldly misfortunes can be averted. A Brahmin would gain knowledge of Vedas, a Kshatriya of kingship, a Vaishya wealth and a shudra health. A copy of Agnipurana in a house prevents difficulties, theft, miscarriages. Those who desire wealth would gain a fortune, those progeny who have children and those power would be kids. Now a question might be asked that why are such mundane things given such importance? The probable answer is that the household householder is central to the social order and upholds the cosmic order as well. Therefore, they need to learn such things as well as liberation. Now, Vashishta justifies trying the transcendent with the mundane by declaring that in order to understand holy properly and get liberation, all knowledge must be known, including what should be considered as proper. Thus, a man who listens to it is promised both full enjoyment of this world as well as final bliss. After all, we do not really need anything in life. So Agni can become the ultimate knowledge system of society. So in conclusion, Agni Purana popularized the teachings of various branches of study, both metaphysical and mind. That is why Agni tells Vasishtu that this Purana will bring both bhakti and mukti. So a listener can rely on the text to provide him with whatever he needs to the exclusion of other texts. So doing this, it becomes a source of all thermos it can find in society or in the after. World. So, it is a kind of toolkit. So, it is reasonable to conclude that Omnipurana presents itself as a complete toolkit of civilization. And I think that is how we, the readers, should also understand. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, ma'am. Uh, that was really a uh, very good. Uh... Paper suited for the session. This whole session is about how Puranas are going to be useful for civilization.